Less Doing, episode 78. Ari talks with Ben Ahrens of The Limitless Self about innovative diagnostic techniques, overcoming Lyme disease, and changing your set point. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in. Hi, Felix. Hey, how you doing? Doing very well. So uh, Ben is a friend. Ben Ahrens has been a friend of my wife since they were in high school. And we reconnected, or actually we were introduced by her a few years ago and became friends. And Felix, I think, met Ben for the first time a few weeks ago when he paddled up on a paddleboard while we were on the beach and hopped off like he was in a movie. Yes, it was. So, um, it was very impressive. So Ben is a really, really cool guy. He overcame Lyme disease with, that was pretty much rotting his brain um, to a point where he basically couldn't tie his own shoes and he overcame it and uh, has basically just taken this full on and really taken everything to the next level with his body and his mind. It's, it, he's a really, really great guy and I was really happy to be able to get this interview with him. So, But before that, we got some links to talk about. So... Uh, first of all, uh, Ben, we'll talk about this, but he offered uh, a really nice discount code for everybody to a course he's got coming up called Change Your Set Point. And you'll understand a little bit more what that means once you listen to the interview. But essentially, it's about doing better in everything that you do, whether it's physically, mentally, financially, uh, relationships, everything. And it's, it's a psychological approach to enhancing performance. So uh, he's given us a discount code. It's going to be a class online September 2nd from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And check it out after you hear the interview. So I saw this product this week called Cognity, and it is a tea that is meant to improve mental clarity and focus so that you can have a productive day. <laughs> uh, and it's basically a smoothie of teas, I would say. It's pretty much got, it's got yerba mate, which I love personally. Uh, it's got peppermint. It has some black tea. It has ginseng, guarana. And guarana, by the way, if you don't know it, is basically a natural uh, caffeine source. There's, there's uh, all sorts of energy drinks, actually, that use guarana. It's really uh, I guess uplifting would be the best way to call it. Okay. Got goji berries in it, which is really antioxidant. Stevia leaf, which is a sweetener, and then it's got ginkgo biloba. It also has L-theanine, which is the one of the compounds that you get from green tea that is actually has a very calming effect. So uh, it's a pretty interesting idea, and basically it it. I haven't tried it yet, but it, all the ingredients in it are totally legit, and there's no reason to think that it actually wouldn't help. So if you're into tea and you want your tea to be very functional, then you should check out Cognitee. Oh, wow. <laughs> just like, just yeah. like saying that. Yeah, so uh, there's a, there was another Kickstarter project this week. I, I, I really, I've said this before, but I really want to try to have like a Kickstarter project on here every week because I, I, love, I love Kickstarter stuff. So there so, is... So yeah, so... If you uh, if you know of a Kickstarter project we should put on here, then please send us a link. That's a very good point. Yes, yeah. thank you. So there is a product coming out, or it's on Kickstarter called Iota, and this is so it's a it's a it's a GPS tracker. It's a very tiny GPS tracker, and this is something that's been interesting to me for a very very long time. Uh, originally, probably just because I thought it was cool, but now that I have kids, I have dogs, like it's actually something that I do think about, and. You know, maybe I, I, some people are going to want to unsubscribe for the podcast now. But yes, I do actually want to put GPS trackers on my kids when they go to school. That's I'm sorry, it's just that's how I feel. Uh, the world is a crazy place, and I also have three crazy little boys who will probably run every direction they can. So uh, the the issue with most GPS trackers is that they have short battery life, and a lot of them require a monthly fee, right? So. 
The IOTA is different. No monthly fee, and it has a very, very long lasting battery. And the way it works is that you have a home base that you plug in at home that has a four-mile range, which is insane, honestly. Um, and that's a four-mile diameter, so it's really an eight-mile circle that you get around your house okay. that, that can track this. In addition, anybody else who has a uh, IOTA home base that works in the tracking network. And basically, the example they give is that if there are 10 people in all of San Francisco, pretty much relatively spread out, that had it, it would cover the entire city of San Francisco. Oh, that's even, amazing. Yes, even in the, the dense population of San Francisco, where the, the range of any given one is more like two miles instead of four, but it says if you have 10 home bases in a place like San Francisco, it's covered. But in addition to being a GPS tracker, it actually has an accelerometer in it, so you can actually use it, for instance, you could put it on a door, and you can know when that door is opened or closed. You can know when something has been moved or not. It has a speaker on it, so if you need to locate something or someone, you can activate the speaker, just like if you lost your keys, for instance. Um, oh, it, has a temp- wow. it has a temperature sensor. So people, you, you could leave it in your car, for instance, if you go park somewhere, and it will tell you if the temperature in your car gets too hot, and you can also have it, you can use it to find your car again. So how does it, how does it relay the information back to the base? By the, it, so it has this very low frequency uh, signal, basically, that can travel these far distances. Okay. So it's pretty well, amazing. Do, do most GPS trackers not not go very far? Is that, I mean, do, do they not well, have a, so, a large range? Well, no. So a lot, most GPS trackers are individualized GPS units, basically, that work up to satellites. You know, so and yeah. you're paying a monthly fee for that. This is actually working through terrestrial GPS, so it's going back to the base and it's it's triangulating off the base essentially. Okay. Yeah. So it has it'll <clears throat> alert you when the battery is going dead. So like the examples they give, for instance, is that you could put it on your bike. You know, so if you're, if someone steals your bike or whatever, you can obviously put it on your pet. You could put it on in your kid's backpack or in their pocket. You can mm. set up geofence areas. So if somebody leaves an area or goes into an area, you can automatically get alerted. For instance. Wow. So it's really, really cool. I think this is a great thing. Oh, and actually, you'll like this, Felix. One of the things you can do is it, it's so small and such long ranges that you can put it on the inside of your mailbox door, for instance, and see when you have mail because somebody opened the door. And, and even even if you use a post office box because it's so small, you that's just attach it. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's really if, cool. If your post office box is in range, yeah, that's genius. Right, well, but I mean, honestly, think about it. Four miles is, is pretty good. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, and that's four miles from your house. You know, it doesn't mean, it, so there could be another, another one somewhere. Like, for instance, you and I, uh, our house is right now, I don't know how far we are. I think we're probably, what are we, six miles away from each other? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So if I had one and you had one, we'd basically be totally covered for most of the places we drive in a given day. Yeah, right. So it's it's pretty, I think this is a really that is innovative really approach. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I am definitely going to be backing this campaign because I want, I want to try these out. Wow. So check out, check out IOTA. Um, there is a, a new supplement called Optimine. It's actually not new. It's, it's the reformulation of a supplement called uh, TrueBrain. So TrueBrain, I think I might have mentioned this before, but TrueBrain is a neurotropic supplement for enhanced uh, you know, cognitive function. But they were doing this really cool study on Wall Street traders with it, where they took these people who are already pretty high-performing individuals and are meant to like see patterns and do all this stuff on a very quick uh, pace and they gave them true brain and then basically measured the results and they did see some some real results so they've reformulated this and rebranded it as optimine and you can you can buy this and it's you know there's nothing there's no real 
there's nothing crazy in it, honestly, but it's got some natural supplements in it, such like, uh, I never pronounce this probably, but it's vinpocetine and GABA. And GABA is uh, gamma butyric acid or something. It's uh, basically an inhibitory neurotransmitter that, that helps you maintain focus, basically. So that's one. But it also has paracetam in it, which is a pretty hardcore nootropic drug. And these things work. So it's not the kind of thing I would recommend saying, taking it every day necessarily, but there are certainly people who do. But this stuff really will help. It really will work. Um, They actually have a 100% money back guarantee, which is pretty unusual for a supplement company. This is a very, this is a legit company. And um, again, I have not tried this myself, but I know that I know all the ingredients in it. And I have tried all the ingredients in one form or another. And they, uh, I, I think it's it's worth a try. And by the way, I have to correct myself. I'm sorry. It's not True Brain. True Brain is still another thing. This is actually uh, this was a supplement called Allarad, not Adderall, but Allarad. <laughs> and uh, this, uh, so they reformulated it as Optimine. So sorry for that. But yes, this is still it's everything else I said was absolutely correct. So I think it's something worth trying if you want to experiment with some nootropic effects wow. or nootropic. Yeah, so uh, there was this really amazing article I read in Quartz. Uh, and Quartz is this, uh, it's just a really good news source. I really like the writing that they do over there. And basically, the title of the article was, America catches some of the world's best salmon, but eats some of the worst. And it was really disheartening because basically what it was showing is that 80% of the salmon we catch is exported to other countries. And I, I, I have no idea why that, I mean, well, not no idea. I, I don't completely understand why they would do that. But we're basically exporting most of our really good fish and we're eating really, really bad fish. And the thing is, is good fish is so good for your health and so amazing for you. And wild caught Alaskan salmon is basically medicine as far as I'm concerned. It'll make your, your skin better, your hair, your mind, your organs, your blood function, everything better. And farmed fish or really bad quality fish is pretty much putting poison in your body. So is uh, is there such a thing as a good farmed are there good farms out there for fish or just not really possible so it is possible and there so for instance i think one example is that there are farms off of portugal and spain that farm sardines and my understanding is actually those are supposed to be very good because just of the way that they they school and the way that they they work and the way that they manage the farms. But Mm. the problem with most farmed fish, like most salmon farming or farmed salmon, uh, for instance, is in America at least, is that they have, you know, 10 times the amount of fish they're supposed to have in one place. They're feeding them corn in a lot of cases, just, and that has all the issues of feeding cattle corn and you know, they're not supposed oh, to eat corn. Yeah, right. And then they're basically pooping all over each other because there's so many of them. And it's just this big mess. And they have to give them antibiotics. And it's just, it's just oh, terrible. I see. I see. Yeah. And so apparently there are these certain fish farms, though, where like for the sardines, for instance, where that's, that's not a problem. And it's actually more sustainable and, and a better way to do it. But when it comes to salmon, you really can't beat wild-caught Alaskan salmon. So it's a shame that we're exporting it. But fortunately, you can buy it uh, when you want to and you can get it. But I, I just think that that's one of those things where you, you really need to specify that you're getting wild-caught fish when you eat it. So I think the article is worth a read if you want to delve into it a little bit more. And it's, it's important. Yeah. Wow. So uh, there was this cool thing that, I don't know, this is a weird one. Did you see the Jibo? Uh, no. No, what is okay. that? Okay, so do you remember the name of, was it Rose? Do you remember the name of the maid, the robot maid in Jetsons? 
No, you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. all right. Well, so basically, Jibo yeah. <laughs> is the world's first family robot. It's it looks like uh it looks like a character from um what's the Douglas Adams book? Oh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So it looks like a, a really like oversized, really disproportional robot, but basically <laughs> it's this little thing that has a screen on it and it's supposed to be the family robot so you can talk to it. You know, I'm looking it can, at it right now. Yeah, it's pretty weird looking. But uh so it can see you cuz it has two cameras, it has microphones all over the place, it can speak so it can give you reminders and your messages. <clears throat> it's kind of like a like an in-person Siri, I guess in a way. Um you know, you you can ask it to show you a recipe in the kitchen. It'll show you, and uh, it'll take photographs of your family if you ask it to. You know, it, it, it's supposed to be able to do. I don't know. It, it it looks really interesting. I don't know how useful it is, but this is something that I definitely would love to see and uh, play around with. But oh my God. Uh, can you imagine our kids playing with these? Gosh. Yeah, I know. So this is something. It's a question about how long they would last as well. But it does be- before they destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it does. It stay in one spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, right. So it doesn't have, as far as I can see, it does not have wheels or anything. So it doesn't move around the house. But uh, they they were trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars on Indiegogo, and they're already at one point two million. So, wow, very impressive. Yeah, cool. So check out the Jibo. Uh, and then there, uh, just like a little announcement was that Square, which I love, and you know we've talked about before how amazing Square is. They have an IFTTT channel now. So if you get a sale or you get a uh, someone requests a refund or there's an inventory thing, whatever it can it can then feed into IFTTT. Oh, so you can wow, get, that's fantastic! Yeah, it's pretty yeah. smart, honestly. So you can get an alert, you can add it to a spreadsheet, you can put it on social media. If somebody makes a purchase, whatever you want. So that's a that's a cool little thing. And then the last thing that I want to mention is Farmivore. So I've talked to the founder of Blue Apron on this podcast before, and there's a number of these services that will send you all of the pre-measured uh, ingredients to create a meal at home. Uh, Blue Apron is a, is a good example. There's also HelloFresh and Plated and probably a dozen others. Hmm. Farmivore does the same thing except for juicing, which I, I thought was kind of funny oh. uh, and, and also really helpful because sometimes... It, Every, well, not everybody, but a lot of people will buy a really expensive juicer with the best of intentions, and then it just kind of sits there after well, they yeah, use it. That's what one I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> they send you a bag with all the things you need to make the perfect juice, and they, you know they'll deliver it basically for the week. But they have like a green lemonade, for instance, and that has li- lemons and apples, and then looks like kale and mint and celery. You know, or they have a it's called a ginger snap, and that's ginger, carrot, and orange. And oh, that's it's, great. Do, do you yeah. have a juicing machine? We do have a juicing machine. It's in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, I love fresh juices, but I don't do it a lot. And I, I do, you know, a lot of times most juicing ends up with you just getting a lot more sugar. But uh, it's, I, I think this is kind of cool. So if, if you really want to try juicing and uh, you don't. It does look appealing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. it definitely is. I just wouldn't recommend people do this as like a meal replacement. If you're going to be juicing, you should still be eating. So anyway. Do you have any? You have something for this week, right? I do. Yeah, I, let's hear it. I went out of my way, and I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get something for the podcast this week. No, no. Actually, I have my mum to thank for this one because um, this is her favorite app. Um, it's called TouchNote, and TouchNote is well, it sells itself as the easy way to send photos as postcards and greeting cards. So, uh, for example, we went to some friends this weekend, and um, we were there at their uh, parents' family home and they were really kind and we wanted to send them a little sort of thank you note. And I think 
touch notes are a really great way to do it. So there was a photo that I took with my iPhone, and um, and you can touch note allows you to just send this as a postcard with the photo being the, the photo on it, and um, and you can do it right on your phone or you can use the the website and um, it's I think it's two dollars per for each thing for each card, or you can you can buy you can buy packs and things like that. And you can send it to any country, so it's um, it's really quick and convenient. We knocked out the whole thing in about you know just a few minutes, and you know trying to send put something together yourself and put it in the mail just for me just pretty much guarantees that it's never going to happen. But having this whole thing where it's all outsourced and it's done really well uh, just really makes it so easy and worth paying a little extra to. To, to do well yeah and plus to being able to do it from your phone on the go means that you could be doing it for instance while you're traveling you yeah know, like exactly. if, if you're in another country or something and you just want to be able to send something home that's i think that's great yeah i um, mean it was two dollars huh yeah exactly and my, i mean my mom says this is the best way to do to do thank you notes for you know you get a present and then you take a photo of the child with the present and you send them a touch note send the, the people who sent it you a touch note and they're really happy because they get a photo of your child and you know makes them look good and they feel all warm and fuzzy so there you go oh, i like that no that's a really good idea that actually because yeah. I, I for some reason I, I always am intrigued by the like client appreciation ideas and that's actually yeah. kind of a nice way to sort of give back and and uh make something really relevant so nice yeah Go Jacina. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that, Felix. And uh, thanks for chatting this week. So uh, everybody check out the interview and we'll be back with you next time. All right. Okay. See you then. Now I'm speaking with Ben Ahrens, who is a personal friend as well as a health and performance coaching expert. So Ben, thank you for talking to me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about what you're doing right now with the with the, the biomedical stuff, and then I want to talk a little about your history and then mm-hmm. and then the book. So let's talk about what you're currently working on. Absolutely. So um, I'm currently executive vice president at a company called Innovative Medicine. We work out of Midtown Manhattan, and we are doing research and development, and primarily focusing on educating medical doctors in a new paradigm of personalized medicine that really takes personalized protocols, personalized treatments uh, to a whole new level and focuses on a particular type of blood analysis that goes, without going too deep into explanation, that goes beyond even the genetic factor to uh, evaluate the blood based on something called resonance. So it's a little bit different from biochemistry. The basic kind of rundown is that it arrives at um, extremely personalized programs of treatment that have proven clinically over the past 12 years to get uh, astounding success rates. And I'm actually, part of my health is, is much uh, tribute to that uh, success. Cool. So, and, and so then I want to get right to that, basically. And, and your diagnosis of Lyme disease, and it, I mean, pretty much it almost killed you. So let's talk about that. You know, what happened and sort of how you recovered? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as many people know, unfortunately, in the Northeast, Lyme disease, uh, chronic Lyme is a fairly prevalent problem. 
Uh, for many people, I'll just preface this by saying for many people, uh, they get Lyme and it's not a massive problem. It doesn't lead to chronic degenerative type of conditions. Uh, but for a subset of people, for a few, it does. And I have uh, you know a lot of insight as to why uh, that I'm not going to get into at this time. It's really a topic of discussion unto itself. But for this case, just suffice it to say that my condition was extreme as delineated by uh, severe demyelinating polyneuropathy. I was bedbound for three years. Uh, NYU Langone Medical Center actually did a study of me and through a series of spinal taps and upwards of nine brain scans found that I had the highest titers of Lyme uh, in the spinal fluid and uh, on the western blot. And uh, I had uh, brain lesions in the prefrontal cortex and everything. So basically, I navigated the conventional route doing uh, long-term high-dose intravenous antibiotics. I had a uh, peripherally inserted catheter uh, stitched into my arm and inserted in my heart for about a year uh, doing bouts of intravenous rocephin. Um, all the while, my condition continued to decline to the point where I could barely figure out how to cook an omelet or tie my shoes. So it was like uh, dementia. I was diagnosed with MS, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, all of these sort of hard to uh, understand complex conditions. Yeah. Now, the, the neurological aspects are, are kind of the most, I mean, the most scary because that's, that's when Lyme disease becomes fatal. Really, when you have right. when you have the neurological effects, and it's it's astounding to me how you went from being in a neurologically depressed state where you couldn't tie your own shoes to to being able to overcome this. So, you know, what did what was the turning point? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're right. Once it goes into the central nervous system, uh, it it tends to uh, basically short circuit the central nervous system and cause a whole host of problems. Everyone's going to react in a very different way. Uh, again, in my case, it was you know dementia and all those type of symptoms. And the way it can actually lead to uh, fatality, as it has in many cases, is through encephalitis. It basically causes inflammation of the cerebrospinal fluid, uh, brain inflammation, and can lead to death in that way. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I wound up in the hospital several times. It was not pleasant. Uh, how I overcame it uh, is really through, uh, number one, dealing with the most immediate and the uh, physical factors, which are treating the infection itself. So I navigated and found my way to a clinic that was doing a much more integrative type of therapy where they were addressing uh, things like the total load of toxicity. They were addressing, of course, the bacteria themselves, but in ways that were a little bit more, uh, you know, subtle and gentle, I'll say, than uh, just long-term high-dose antibiotics, which which can actually increase toxicity and add more uh, stress and pressure to the whole system. Uh, so they had a very intelligent approach of putting this together, um, and that really did wonders for the physical part. Now, even after the uh, bacteria was was eradicated, or we might even say just suppressed to a level where it wasn't really a primary factor, I still found myself stuck in a negative feedback loop of these symptoms that would keep me uh, basically bedbound. I would go for a walk around the block one day and wind up literally in bed for about a month just trying to recover. Um, not to mention there was you know burning sensations, there were phantom pains, there was blurred vision, sensitivity to light and sound and all of these types of things. And that's where a compilation of research led me to uh, different types of neurocognitive rehab, primarily using um, neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, um, of which I'm now a practitioner, and uh, different ways that I assembled through study of, of habit design 
and science of small winds and things like that to basically interrupt a negative pattern. Even if it seems like a strictly physical or physiological pattern, there's, the mind is extremely powerful and the mind is key here in that you can choose how you're going to respond to a particular symptom. Now this might sound like I'm saying something to the effect of, well, some of this is in your head. Uh, absolutely not. All of these physiological effects, the symptoms I'm talking about, absolutely go into the body and everything can and was, in fact, in my condition, uh, measured very, uh, very precisely. I am saying, however, that these symptoms do uh, come back into the head because you become consciously aware of the pain you're in, of course. That's kind of like saying, well, if you put your hand on a stove, you're going to realize, you know, oh, shit, the stove, stove is hot. Right. Now, you can choose, actually. There's a point at, at any uh, discomfort where you can choose how you're going to respond. Uh, this is easier said than done. It takes a lot of training, and it would sometimes take uh, upwards of 100 times a day reminding myself not to overreact to these symptoms. And there are very precise and systematic ways in which I'd go about doing that using these NLP techniques. Um, but through that process of continuously disrupting the negative feedback loop and eventually replacing it with a positive feedback loop, basically choosing to not um, associate these symptoms with something that was extremely negative, harmful, or fatal, I was actually able to create physiological effects such as lowering cortisol, increasing positive hormones, and um, basically increasing the types of uh, hormones and biochemicals that lead to healing and decreasing those stress hormones that lead to continued degeneration. Wow. Okay. So what does, what, is, what does that sort of protocol look like once you've dealt with the infection and, you know, sort of like neurological regeneration stuff, like what is, what is the, are there supplements or are there, other, you know, other than NLP, like mm -hmm. what, what does that protocol kind of look like? Yeah. You know, well, I mentioned, you know, first thing off is the physical aspect, which was, uh, uh absolutely needs to be addressed. And I also mentioned that Lyme in some cases, Lyme is just kind of a, uh, I'm going to use it almost as an umbrella term and as a good example because sure. Lyme, Lyme, you know, has it all. Of course, there's, there's tons of neurological ailments out there. There's tons of complex chronic conditions these days, as you know, Crohn's being one of them. Um, all of these, the one thing they have in common is that they're always multifaceted and multisystemic, meaning it's never just one thing. People like to place the uh, blame on one thing so that they can attempt to find a, a silver bullet to eradicate that one problem. And, you know, the, the logic says if you eradicate the one problem, you'll end up back uh, at full health. Unfortunately, with these types of complex chronic conditions, uh, you're always dealing with a multiplicity of factors. So it's more of a total load problem. You're dealing with stress, psychological and otherwise. You're dealing with uh, malnutrition, inability to uh, absorb nutrition, uh, high toxicity, inability through the lymphatic system to properly detoxify yourself. So yes, you're right. On the physical aspect, uh, there were nutritional supplements involved. There was, of course, just things like fish oil, vitamin D, uh, you know, high dose multivitamins, some intravenous therapies as well. Uh, but things like, that really, like what? What were, the, what were the intravenous ones? So a lot of the uh, intravenous ones were, uh, there was, you know, some chelation in my case to uh, help extract the heavy metals. Um, but the protocol that I underwent, the medical protocol, was really a very holistic and integrative, uh, you know, view of the body. So it wasn't just going in and saying, okay, heavy metals are the problem. Therefore we're going to extract heavy metals using chelation. Right. It, it was also a question of why are the heavy metals a problem? Uh, for instance, 
is it because uh, you're living in an area where you're exposed to high heavy metals or the, the water that you're drinking is you know extremely high content of heavy metals? Or is it that uh, your lymphatic system is impaired and the organs of elimination, such as the liver, kidneys, and lymphatic system, are not equipped to adequately deal with a normal, quote-unquote, normal level of heavy metals? Or is it a combination of both? So the, the kind of magic in this protocol is that it's able to go in and, for the evaluation component, decipher precisely what the source of these problems was. So in my case, it was a combination of both chelation, but also taking some homeopathic remedies, some natural remedies, uh, and some pharmacological remedies to uh, upregulate, you could say, the organs of elimination to basically do their job more efficiently so that I ultimately wouldn't need all that much, you know, chelation. I would be able to just become more efficient at excreting what's not advantageous to my body in the first place. Did you, uh, were you using any liposomal glutathione, for instance, or? Yes. So, yeah. so those were, those were key. Um, also, um, uh, phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylcholine for phospholipid exchange mm -hmm. uh, post the antimicrobial phase of the therapy, which was essential for basically regenerating a lot of the uh, damage that was accrued throughout the uh, you know several years of, of illness. Okay, so now let's okay, and, and we could get actually very deep into the weeds on this, <laughs> but I think we're going to lose some people. So uh, what? Let's talk about the the, the book and the the set point concept because this is mm -hmm. really exciting. So. Mm -hmm. Right. So based on my whole experience, based on upwards of 100 patients that I uh, you know, spoke with and interviewed throughout my, uh, my experience, and now working as executive vice president at Innovative Medicine, I've had the chance to uh, interview and, and speak with some of the top medical doctors, physicists, scientists from around the world. Uh, I've begun to formulate a, a theory uh, that I'm trying to encapsulate in a book which I'm working on at the moment called The Set Point Effect. Uh, it's not a brand new theory by any stretch of the imagination. It's more of an extrapolation of an existing theory, which is called set point theory. But uh, basically, the set point theory was something that came out of the 1950s, which aimed to explain uh, why a person's body fat or body composition would settle at a certain point, uh, let's say, you know, six weeks or 10 weeks after they begin a diet. So whenever someone would make a seemingly dramatic shift to their lifestyle, they always seem to settle at a certain body composition. Now, years later, they would uh, extrapolate this concept and apply it to psychology, and they've kind of retooled it as the hedonistic treadmill theory or the set point <laughs> theory of happiness. Yeah, they just they like to give things a you know fancy new uh, cover. But basically, they've done those kinds of experiments that I'm sure you've heard about where they, they've taken people who are uh, you know, going along their lives and then they either like win the lottery or a second group of people that like becomes paraplegic or undergoes some massive accident. And what they found is that over about a six month period of time, their level of happiness, contentment, acceptance uh, seems to settle back to a certain baseline uh, that it was at before. So what I've done in this book is taken this to the whole next level. I say that we have a certain baseline, which I call the set point, that is the hidden determinant, or you could say the initiation point of, yes, our body composition, our happiness, our strength, our thoughts, our physical strength, physical performance. And I've applied this in certain very specific ways using, using NLP, using visualization techniques, uh, using meditation to show how if you make a change, not to the external part of what you're doing, let's say your goal is to you know, increase your physical strength in the gym, um, 
but using the same type of visualization techniques that athletes have been using, musicians have been using for, for decades now, you can actually make a change to your baseline, to your set point. And by working on that level and making a change to that area, the intended goal will actually happen, what I like to say, effortlessly. That sounds like a bold statement, but it's actually true. It happens virtually effortlessly as the outgrowth of a natural process. So it's kind of like the downstream effect of making a minute and subtle shift to an upstream problem. So the key really lies in be able, being able to identify that your, your set point, whatever is your sticking point. So we all have these points where we feel stuck in life, whether it's stuck with your you know, body fat, your body, uh, body weight, strength goals in the gym, sleeping, uh, success in different areas, you know, overcoming fears. Um, we all have different sticking points. So the key, I argue here, and, and uh, try and tie in as much research and experience as possible, is not to try and force change from the outside in, but to simply identify and make small tweaks to these upstream uh, set points that will have massive effects in the downstream or what we you know, say is the, uh, the end goal. Yeah, so I, you're basically saying, screw you, homeostasis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in in a way, in a way, I am. Uh, homeostasis is again that sort of idea. It's uh, it's determined by literally a belief system, and like I found in extreme examples in myself, where I experienced many, many uh, examples that I'm going to account for in this book of what would otherwise be uh, you know termed spontaneous recovery. I believe that in medicine now, and with the advent of uh, of quantum physics into the medical arena, we can actually delineate all of the pathways and uh, and precise processes responsible for uh, changing these baselines and for for creating physiological changes in the body simply through thought alone. There's been tons of research done on this. Uh, Bruce Lipton, biology of belief, has gone into this. Uh, James Oshman, biophysicist, have done great work on this. But the, the basic conception is, yes, homeostasis is, is uh, for lack of a better term, more of a state of mind than something that's set in stone. So can you give us some sort of like a practical example of something that you might want to change and how you might go about doing that? Absolutely. Um, so one that I've actually done uh, recently is, uh, you know, the example that I just mentioned, changing your uh, level of strength in the gym. Yeah. So let's say you want to increase your strength on a particular lift, uh, you know, say 50%. Um, now, it's important to note that we like to think that our strength is a product of of uh, how much muscle you have and that there's some kind of direct correlation there. But we actually know that that's not true because we all know the example of the 90 pound mother who runs out and sees her child trapped under right. the truck wheel and can lift the truck. Uh, we also know from experience that when you go into the gym, let's say if you you know pulled an all-nighter and you haven't slept for 24 or 48 hours, you go into the gym, uh, you're only able to lift about half as much as you were the day before. The reason being, it's not because you've all of a sudden lost half of your muscle mass, that it's just gone. It's because the central nervous system lacks the ability to sufficiently recruit the muscle fibers that are needed to contract that amount of strength. Um, so as I like to say, and when I was doing a lot of coaching and personal training, your body can handle it. The question is, can your mind? Um, so a very specific you know, way of how this would go into effect uh, is visualization before a workout or perhaps first thing in the morning. Um, if you visualize yourself doing a certain lift with X amount of weights going through all the steps, 
uh, and I urge people to actually try this. Uh, go into a state of deep relaxation, you know, take 10 or so breaths or something, and just really, really relax your mind, relax your physiology. Um, another component, not to go off on too big of a tangent here, uh, but any exertion that you do is only as good as your ability to recover from that exertion. Uh, polarity is one of the, the things I talk about in the book, and it's this, what's called the superwave theory, that for every peak, so a peak in this case would be, you know, exerting yourself in the gym, there must be an equal and opposite valley or, or period of recovery. Uh, similarly, it's almost like the bottom, you can envision it of the bottom of a, a skateboard ramp. If you want to get a full vertical lift on the upswing, you need to be able to go to the bottom of that valley and build up enough momentum. And the way that's done in the uh, physical realm is actually through the mind in training not just your exertion mechanisms. As you know from, from your time as endurance athlete, um, and I know as well from coaching a lot of endurance, endurance athletes, uh, everyone is very focused on training their uh, exertion mechanism and doesn't even very much consider training their recovery mechanism. Nope. So, if, yeah, if you preface going into the gym and, and performing a high exertion lift, for instance, by training to go to a very deep place of recovery um, and doing that through uh, breathing, through meditation, through through a visual, visualization, and then come out of that uh, – basically following up your visualization uh, with a lift that mimics what you just visualized, you just watch what happens. You'll find your strength improve dramatically. Um, one key tip to actually implementing this is something called the science of small wins. And this is something that I use every single day uh, and had profound effects where basically I was able to reverse two years of what I called conditioned failure when I was sick and unable to uh, do a lot of physical things. I conditioned a, a lot of failure responses in myself, basically where I would set certain goals, physical or otherwise, and I would fail to meet them. It created a very powerful negative feedback loop, which I overcame in about two weeks' time simply by implementing the science of small wins. So, for instance, um, it was very hard for me to, you know, get out of bed, to just, you know, go to the shower, to stretch, to do anything. It just felt absolutely uh, exhausting at all times. Uh, so what I started to do was set extremely tiny goals for myself that I knew I could accomplish, even if they seemed difficult, which at times they were, such as, okay, tomorrow morning I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to do a kneeling hip flexor stretch for one minute on either side, and that's it. And then I would do it. And every morning I would lay in bed, I'd visualize exactly what I was going to do, even if it was that one thing, or then eventually I would add you know, hip flexor stretch uh, plus take a shower or uh, stretch plus shower plus brush my teeth until it was slowly more and more. But the process of simply setting up a neural network that supports you uh, visualizing yourself doing something and then doing something is what I call habituating success through the science of small wins. So going back to how that works in the gym, the, the key is not to go insane with this. It's not to say, okay, I'm going to visualize myself lifting, you know, 400 pounds when my max bench press has only been, you know, uh, uh, 225 or something like that. You don't want to do that because then you'll end up in a conditioned failure feedback loop if you do, and you likely will <laughs> fail to achieve that goal right off the bat. Instead, pick something that you believe, you truly believe you can do, or maybe you've done before, and stop about 
uh, 20% shy of your maximum. Do this for two weeks. So let's say my you know normal bench press is 225 for 10 repetitions. I want to build that up to 315. Um, and I know that I've done 315, but I, I am not able to do it for 10. So you're going to visualize yourself doing it for three. And you go through that process. You go through the relaxation to train the recovery mechanism to get that full valley so you can launch into the peak. You visualize yourself doing it for three, and then you do it. And you do that you know, uh, two weeks in a row until you literally condition a success feedback loop uh, in your brain and in your body where now your central nervous system is in contact, the gears are engaged, and you're literally uh, carrying out what you've told yourself you can do. It creates a very powerful response, and it's one way to begin to move the needle and change that set point to uh, uh, make incredible gains. That is totally awesome. <laughs> um, well, so Ben, we're basically out of time here, and this is—I mean, this has really been great. And I, again, Ben and I are friends, and we talk about this stuff all the time. And it's just—it's <laughs> so cool to hear this in a really sort of uh, succinct and, and intense way, actually. So, uh, so where, where's the best place for people to find out more about you and what you're working on? Great. So, uh, two things: the uh, thelimitlessself.com is where I blog. You can find a lot of these uh, articles and things that I post about this type of stuff. That's thelimitlessself.com. I also set up an event. This is the first time that I'm ever offering uh, an event of this nature where I'm going to be providing this specific type of set point coaching or set point regulation therapy, as I call it. Um, and for that, that's going to be in the beginning of September. There's a limited number of seats. And I've actually set up a promo code just for your listeners, Ari. If they go to changeyoursetpoint.splashthat.com, <clears throat> that's changeyoursetpoint.splashthat.com, and enter the promo code less doing as one word, they'll get 30% off. And that's going to be a 90-minute uh, presentation, practical application, and Q&A session on exactly how you can change your set point pertaining to uh, physical and mental well-being. Well, thank you, and Ben, and that's very generous of you to offer that to the listeners. And we're going to have links to all this in the show notes, so don't worry if you're driving in your car and you can't write that down. It's going to be there. And uh, Ben, thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, Ari. It's been a pleasure.